Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. You're listening to us at RadioRegent.com, but also on iHeartRadio. I'm here with my co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good, and we are both happy because we're going to talk about a bunch of films. We're going to talk about a film that's opening in theaters tomorrow called Transit. But first, we're going to talk about films in the Real Asian Film Festival, which is opening tonight, carrying on until November 16th. It's a lot on the festival. We, we started last week. You can catch the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Yeah, all those places. Catch up on those, but also listen up as we talk today. And don't forget, all the information and tickets and everything is at realasian.com. So the first film from the festival that we're going to talk about is called Dead Pigs. And it's actually, it's showing tomorrow night, Friday. Yeah, this one was, um, I guess it played Sundance earlier this year and uh, received really solid reviews. And I can I can see why after partaking in this film. It's a dark comedy that feels very much like a... Robert Altman film or Paul Thomas Anderson film via his Magnolia years, and it, it follows. That's an interesting, yeah, yeah, because it's interesting because it, it really follows about what five or so different people and whose lives intersect in in different ways, and I, I guess the the crux of it f- involves a salon owner by the name of Candy Wang who refuses to sell her home to uh, a development company. And I guess they have a new project that's being spearheaded by an American. And she, I think every house around her has been demolished except for hers. And hers is kind of dilapidated, run down, but it has history and character. And she refuses to sell it. And that causes problems because her brother, uh, Old Wang, is in desperate need of money. Because he's a pig farmer and something's going on in, in that area of China where pigs are just dying and they don't know why so in droves in yeah. droves yeah, yeah. i guess the point where a, a big river is literally just filled with with dead pigs so this is all happening to his his stock of pigs just as he's been swindled by this virtual reality scam and he's in desperate need of money so his sister refuses to sell so he can't get money there so then he tries to get money from his son and that takes you into another facet of the film where he thinks his son is living the big city life and is a very important individual in the city and his son is actually working as a waiter mm-hmm. at a pig rotisserie restaurant yeah. <laughs> and there the son meets this um, young woman who comes from a very wealthy family but is she's just kind of sullen and moody and they strike up a, a friendship so you've got those four individuals plus the American developer who's come to China with like big dreams of uh, starting a whole bunch of new new area of business there. He sees it as a land of opportunity, and he somehow gets involved in a side hustle where he becomes like an American VP for, for hire, and it, it, it leads to a really amusing scene at a, at a pageant, and that's mm-hmm. all I'll say. So it's how all these lives intersect, and you've got at the crux of it the mystery of how are these pigs are dying, and it's a really interesting metaphor of China's rapidly developing world and how 
in its quest for modernization, it's losing a lot of tradition, history, and there's also a weird sense of isolation that everyone has. Like, you know, you think with all this advancement, everyone would be much happier and living a closer life, but instead everyone's really miserable and isolated. And it's a very fascinating film that goes a lot of unique places. Mm-hmm. I like the, I like the disparate, the, the way that it brings together all these disparate elements. And uh, I completely agree. Like, it's, it's just a fascinating film. And what's also really interesting is how visually it presents these, these dilemmas. A lot of what you said is something that comes across from the visuals. And that's why I think what you said about P.T. Anderson was especially interesting. Because, you know, as you were talking about something, I, I imagine the house, Candy Wang's yeah. house. When you were talking about Candy Wang's house and... Um, I could see it in my head because this film, the, the, the visuals are so striking and they convey so much. And when you when you see that, that's part of the dark humor is the situation. I mean, they're dire situations. They're kind of pushed a little to the to the point beyond serious to a little bit of like that's where the melodrama hits the black humor part. Right. But the visuals are also enhancing that. And so it comes, it, like, there's some very serious situations, but there's also some very, like, situations that are very kind of comical, yeah, you it, know? Yeah, it doesn't take itself seriously yes. um, at all, but yet it still tackles serious themes. Yes, and in, in terms of um, Old Wang and his son, there, there is something conveyed there, you know, and I, so I think that there's another facet of, of the film which when you talk about losing traditions and what's happening in society is like there are these old familial kind of bonds there and expectations and you know how the son feels about his his duty to his father Mm -hmm. you know and and you know i won't ruin it but like the push and pull of all of that is happening not only between the characters who are surprisingly vivid you know, and very well um, developed, you know, in a, in a very quick kind of way, you know, very shorthand kind of way. They're very well developed, um, but very maturely developed. Um, and then the relationships are, are quite deep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how um, Kathy Ann puts this film together and, it actually has me excited because she's going to be directing uh, the DC superhero film Birds of Prey with Margot really? Robbie and Oh great! I forget it's yeah it's a um, for those who don't know Birds of Prey it's like a female um, I guess superhero group although Margot Robbie is playing Harley Quinn in it so I guess you can have anti superhero or anti hero group but a, a very you know female led film. And I normally have lost faith in DC films. But when I saw, <laughs> after seeing this and seeing that she was the director, I'm like, I'm, I'm there opening day. Because what she does with this film, and as you said, the characters are so distinct. The images are so vivid. There's a nice sense of humor. There's melancholy. There's even a musical number. There's a whole bunch <laughs> yeah, of stuff thrown true. into this film. And it all fits and perfectly. And it fits and it works. And it's one of those things I was like, you know, I will be watching this film again when it hits yes. regular theaters. It's like, it's a film that you'll want to revisit because the characters are so interesting and it's such a entertaining work. Right. Yes. And yes, all credit to director Kathy Ann. 
good for her. Dead pigs, that's uh, definitely a recommendation of ours. Now, you saw something. Yes, I saw a film called Origin Story, and it was directed by Kulap um, Vilasak. And she is, well, I guess I want to say comedian, but she's a well-known podcaster. Um, She has a great show called Who Charted on the Earwolf Network. And she's also married to fellow comedian uh, Scott Aukerman, who's also very popular, has many podcasts and and been on many movies and TV shows. But in this film, she turns the camera on herself. And it's really, this film kind of caught me off guard because I thought because of her persona and just the comedy background, I thought it was going to be like a really funny, amusing film. But it's actually really touching. And it's a film that she is getting ready to, or at least she's thinking about having a child now she's at that stage in her life where she wants to but she has a lot of deep-seated issues with her own parents that she has to overcome and specifically with her mother because at the age of 14 in a when her parents were arguing she discovers that the man who she thought was her father is not actually her father and you know 20 years later she decides to go on a quest to find who her father is and actually meet the man. So that involves her confronting her, her mother. Is this a documentary? Yes, it's a documentary. Okay, okay. Yeah, and so she confronts her mother, and that raises a lot of issues there because her her mother was, growing up, was always verbally abusive to her, and um, Kulap always felt like she was, something was off about her, like she was kind of the odd duckling in, in the family. And you you get a little more into their relationship. And then there's also the whole thing of her traveling to Laos to meet her father and that side of the the family. And that reconnection and, you know, meeting a part of you that you never knew existed but not necessarily being open enough to to trust that bond because, you know, you, you were essentially meeting a stranger. And this is all new. So it's how those three things kind of orbit around each other and... It's it's heartbreaking at times. It's also oddly empowering by the end. It's, you know, like you, you see the journey that it takes on her and the toll it takes on her and how she comes out on the, the other end, a, a changed person, and also her perspective on parenting and what it means to be a parent changes. Uh, and But at the same time, some of the fears that she has about meeting her... Um, birth father start to come into play in this film and I don't want to spoil it but there's there's a few things where you're like oh man I hope that doesn't happen and it does happen and you're like oh I can't believe it right like she it's a really um emotional journey for her and as a viewer you you get sucked up into it. and again I I wouldn't think it oh it's going to be more lighthearted I wasn't expecting such a, a gut-wrenching film but it, it works mm-hmm. it, it does work Interesting. Well, you know what you said about um, learning more about your family. That, in an interesting way, ties into a film that I saw called Ramen Shop. Oh, okay. And in terms of expectations of what it was going to be like, there's also a twist in what happened to my expectation. This is a film by Eric Koo, and he he's basically the guy, if not one of the guys who is credited with reviving Singapore's film industry. Oh, okay. 
So, you know, a recent kind of hero in that industry. And he's become, and he's been, you know, a darling with foreign critics and, and can, and, you know, things like big festivals and stuff. So international, internationally famous. And, and uh, so people have been watching his, his films and he's become known also for sort of looking at the darker side, a little bit more the kinkier side of Singapore and, and creating works around that and narratives and, and things like that shaped around that. So this film is a bit of a surprise because it is a narrative, uh, but it's a foodie like a, a foodie film, foodie celebration of Singapore. And it, actually, it's a, a celebration of two cultures, uh, the Japanese, obviously, with the ramen, and then this, uh, this famous, actually, there's a bunch of, of dishes, but there's this like famous soup from Singapore as well. Um, and he goes on this, the character goes on this culinary journey. And, and the whole impetus for the whole thing is um, the death of his father. And in, you know, rethinking his relationship and sort of, you know, wondering if he really was a good enough son for his father, you know, like rethinking that relationship. He also finds the journals of his dead mother. And so, you know, the father went off. Basically, it goes back in time and you learn that the father went off in search of, you know, the way to make soup, the best soup and, and found himself in Japan, settled in Japan. And the the diaries of the mother um, create this sort of journey back in time as well. To So in a way, like the father's going forward from that back in time mm-hmm. period. And the mother, he, he, the character is going back in time to that, to where the mother is. And he's learning about her from what she was writing and he basically learns about her and him the father uh based on a lot of food that is referenced in her diaries okay um so the character it's almost documentary like the way that the the film is structured because the character goes on uh this food journey uh through various restaurants i mean they even talk he's talking to to another character at one point, and he, and she say, "Oh yes, this is where Gordon Ramsay came, and he was, you know." And so you're almost like, "Wait a minute, am I in mm-hmm. a food show?" But it's a narrative, oh, so it's weird. kind of really interesting that way. But it's a bit of a surprise for people who know Eric Ku's work. Yeah, when you said that name, I was like, "That sounds familiar." And then when I was looking him up. I realized that I had seen um, an animated, well, I guess it was a animated documentary that mm-hmm. he did called Tatsumi. Oh yeah. So when you're talking about like the blend of uh documentary the documentary feel in the narrative film, I was like, yeah, I could I can totally see that now. Right. So it's it's not a complete, you know, move like away from it's like it's not a complete turn for Air Coup. But for anybody who's, you know, looking up thinking about his other like features, the ones that really pushed him into the spotlight. It's not like that. This is more like a ramen v- version. Like it's it actually the 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 ramen is like a metaphor for what this film is like. It's mm-hmm. like it's very comforting and you know very familiar, very comforting. But also, you know, different people make ramen in different ways, right? So it it is uh, 
like a culinary journey and a foodie fan fantasy in that you're he's as he's going he's discovering better and more interesting dishes and and ingredients and things like that and so we are metaphorically doing the same oh wow that sounds very interesting yeah so there's that so that's that's real Asian. Yeah, there's well, tons more films well, that's to, what to we see. Could, that's what we but can tell that's you. That's just about. A, a, a small taste to, to get your appetite for that festival because it's it was a lot of great stuff. Yeah, and so just uh, just before we move on from there, I'm going to tell you again. It started tonight, or it's starting tonight, and it is running. The festival is running until the 16th. So, and there's lots to see. So please go to realasian.com. And look it up. And like I said, we have a, a previous podcast about Real Asian. So hopefully that'll give you some, some ideas where to start. Yeah, wide variety of films to, to see and enjoy. Yes. And a couple of speakers and uh, stuff. So Yeah, and, there, and there's even that VR. Oh, yes, which you mentioned last episode, yeah. Yeah, Homestay. Homestay, it, it's only, the, the thing is, it's only going until the 10th, which is Saturday. Yeah. So good. Saturday's your last chance. So, you know, go make an appointment, like go on the, the website, make an appointment and, you know, go see it because it, it's really, I thought, a really creative use of VR. You know, I think uh, in using the more abstract imagery and telling a story that's very simple and direct, uh, it, it, you know, it's a disturbing story, but, it, you know, it's the experience of a student, of someone Who's relaying the experience of a student uh, who came from somewhere, from Japan, I think. But it came from away. A mm-hmm. um, and uh, in in the way that it's constructed in that abstract way, it really gives you a sense of the real, you know, the events, the happenings, the feelings. It's, it's, it's really quite um, indelible in a way. Good. Well, do you want to... Uh Jump into transit since we're talking about traveling and yes, experiencing uh, different places. Yes, talk about an experience. Um, transit, transit's uh, the newest film by Christi- Christian Petzold, and he's known his la- his last film was Phoenix, which and, was really good. Yeah, and Phoenix was this experience of um, the concentration camps and and so that kind of. It was World War Two? Was yeah, it? Yeah, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while since it was like World War Two, and um, I believe there was like element of uh, spies. It was a woman that had to um, find out who who sold her who sold her uh, boyfriend out. I have to I have to remember. Yeah, to, and so yeah. it it does reference the, the concentration camps, and so this film has a different angle, and it's actually based on a book called Transit. It's Anna Seeger's. 1944 novel of the same name, um, but in adapting it to to a film, Petzold, what he did was he took that that film uh, that book that was taking place in a certain time frame, which is during World War II and the experience of people trying to escape the Nazis. Um, what he's done is in this time he in this case he has actually blurred the past and the present, and I in. I'd I'd like to call it conflating. Like I think that it feels like he's conflated past and present into this one time space sort of t- 
not to use the word from science fiction, but time space continuum. I mean, it's it fits. Yeah, it's but a, it's not a sci-fi film. It's not at all no, like no. that. Um, and what it it uh, focuses on Georg, and his he flees to Marseille after the Nazi invasion, and he's trying to you know stay one step ahead of the Nazis, and through a series of events, he ends up assuming the identity of a dead man. And that that man had these transit papers. And so now Georg has them. And then he meets this woman and she's trying to find her husband. You can sort of get an idea of where that's going. And the performances are stellar. Uh, Franz Rogowski he is Georg, and Paula Beer is this woman who's looking out, looking for her husband, and who, who runs into Georg, and she's played by Paula Beer, and they're just they're just incredible. And the film itself has got um, so much going on because what he's done in conflating the past and present is he's giving you a sense of 1944 in Germany, you know, and and that kind of feel, but uh, he's stripped away those elements in the frame so when you're watching it um it is happening in contemporary times and so so, after a while these sort of references to refugees and running away and what he's done he he i'm sorry i'm going on a a bit sorry but i'll let you talk in a sec but uh when when asked about the film chris christian petzold had this really interesting statement about transit and how it, it transit itself is, you know, an act. It's um, it's a being. It's a it's a time. It's a space. It's it's a state of being. It's a state of being, like it's a state in time. You know, you're in transit. You're looking for transit. You're trying to transit. And so, what to me, what happened was, it's it's like a really powerful statement on a lack of progress. How societies become stuck in this space, like the individuals seeking transit are. You know, it's, it's the film's a lot more far-reaching than that, but it, it feels like. Yeah, that's a very interesting, interesting take on that because I, I looked at it more as um, bringing us into the the refugee crisis, but from the point of view of a refugee. And like the refugees, which it who, does do, yeah, who are who are especially those that come to a new land and, for better or worse, are are stuck in in camps. They are st- stuck in a state of limbo, in many ways purgatory, where they're kind of seen. People know that they're there, but then they're also invisible in the sense that people don't really care. Like at times, they they can be disposable if the the powers that be want to rat them out to authorities. Like it's a very interesting film where. Even though you've got this great picturesque setting, all the individuals in Marseille are are waiting, and they're, all of them are paranoid because they're waiting to go somewhere else. They're waiting to go oh, somewhere I see, else, I see it that way. but, but they I see don't know saying. if they'll be able to get to that other place. Um, so they're constantly waiting for their transit pass to to come through, and then the lead character, when he gets his transit pass via deception. He no longer seems as urgent to go because he's more infatuated now with this 
woman that he keeps and interacting that's, yeah. with. And that's an interesting And he's story. also interacting with a lot of other refugees who are either looking to go, hoping to make a better life for themselves in Marseille. Like I'm thinking of like the, the mother and son. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then, but then you have individuals like the woman with the, who's looking, overseeing the two dogs, you know, yeah. and she, the whole situation has her very depressed and like, it's, it's a very interesting way that they all intersect. And if you think of like Phoenix, which was about a, a, a disfigured woman, um, and a Holocaust survivor who's now trying to find out if like her ex-boyfriend or whatever betrayed her that experience i feel like this is a good companion piece to that because i feel like this takes place slightly before that even though it's happening in modern times and as you said the the fact that they blend the two worlds this film has kind of stuck with me because of that because everything is a state of unease everyone is nervous because the shoe might drop in terms of like authorities coming by the, you know the the Nazis are in this case I guess they're fascists because like we never see yeah but the, Nazis the, Nazism and fascism but, are so close yes right? exactly so, exactly but but they're also they're they're on the they're about to be on the doorstep yeah or they're about to be in there but also they make it modern so in terms of that you feel the refugee crisis but it still feels there's parts of it that still feel like it's 1940 like I, you can't yeah it. that's what I mean that but, but it conflates of, past and present yeah you're just right? It, it it does something because like, I find like I've thought about this film a lot, and it's as much as I love this film, I feel like it's almost tough to discuss because there's so much going on, and it puts you in that weird state where your head's constantly trying to wrap around this this world, like you're essentially being stuck in purgatory, just like the the yeah. individuals themselves. And it's a it's a really well crafted film, and like you know, I find it's tense at times, but then it's also very relax in its in its pacing and its flow like it's it's a there's a lot of contradictions i guess this film is basically it feels like it's a lot of contradictions that somehow work when they, when they shouldn't and it's yeah, just yeah that's I, a really good way of describing it yeah absolutely and then you know it's got these elements that you know f- film enthusiasts cineasts we we all love which is you know it's got like these Hitchcockian references and this whole play with mistaken identities, I mean, which is something he loved to play around with and other filmmakers play around with as well. And then when you, you know, in any sort of storytelling, the role of the narrator, there's a narrator in this. Um, but it's always interesting when you think of, well, who is the narrator? And yes. then you realize that you don't know. You don't really know until the very end. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. that makes, I've I just said a, a silly thing, which is, yeah, you don't know until the end. But no, yeah, no, it's not, you don't, it's not silly, though. The thing is, the mystery is, it's, it's a great mystery. Yeah, because as, really you, as you're following it, because he's, um, the lead character has a manuscript of, a, of an author, when, when the narrator kicks in, you think one way. And then there's parts of the narration where you go, wait, something's not right. Who's who's the narrator? So your mind goes to something completely else. Yeah. And then when everything at the end is revealed, like, I don't know you, but my mind, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah, me too. But yeah. then it makes sense when you start to think of the, the way it was the put together, way the, way, put the, together the connection points yeah. and where um, individuals always seem to kind of intersect and stuff. And again, there's just so much going on. And I, I feel that the... I don't want to call it like a days ago, but the the relaxed the re- relaxed 
um, way everything unfolds. Like, even though there's moments of tension. That's what gives it the most tension is because it's, it's unfolding. So, yeah, so. you, it kind of lures you into a, a, a safe, just kind of, all right, this is a, you're, you're watching things go and you don't realize that you're being affected by it, even though you are. And I feel like that kind of leisurely pace to it will will put some people off and maybe have some not give it the proper credit it deserves. Yeah. Because it's not flashy. It's not really in your face. Everything is very subtle in, in how it how but it hits you. But if you follow it, it can be – it's so mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as – as soon – like, it, it grabbed me really quickly. And it didn't let go. And my, my brain was going all over the place. And, you know, even I was – there's this thing. I have to go see it again. One thing that, that I have to say is when I watched it, um, e- even, you know – the first time I watched it, I watched it and I thought, I have to watch this again. And now I just know that this is a film I'm going to keep. It's going to be on my, you know, yeah, my list. You'll my keep regular, rewatching it and, I'm gonna and watch discovering it like every, new things. Yeah, every once in a while I'm just going to keep watching it. And it's never going to get boring. No. And, yeah. So. And, surprising, <laughs> and again, it's surprisingly timely and relevant. Yeah, when you when you think about it, right? Like it's it's really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's one of the best films of the year. I, I the minute I saw it, it was, yeah, there's no doubt this is one of the best films of the year. I would agree with that. Okay, it's a must see. Absolutely. Okay, we have nothing left to say because that film is now in our consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> It never left. It never left. It never left. (laughs) We're possessed by it now. So that's Transit. And it's opening at the Lightbox tomorrow, Friday, November 9th. And check listings in other cities because it's sort of going to be unfolding in other cities. Yeah, it's going to be expanding. Expanding. uh, But it's in specific cinemas. So, you know, give give it some love. Give it some support. It will love and support you back in its own twisted way. And you you won't be the lesser for it. You will be better for it. Um, and hey, we're ending on a high note, right? With yeah, this the, well, masterpiece. When you well, talk the about thing. film, it's always a high note. I know yeah. the whole show is full of high notes. Yeah, all recommendations. All recommendations, and uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>